I'd like my wife to come up. I would like my family to come up. And I'd like, I spoke to you before, if you could come up with your family. Where's Brendan and Alicia? Come up here. Just come right up here. You're part of my family. Come on. I just want to illustrate something before I share the scripture verse because sometimes illustrations speak louder than I could ever explain. And this would be applicable to all of you. Abraham received a promise from God that all the families of the earth would be blessed. All the family, including, that includes you. And this is my blessing. This is your blessing. God is faithful to what he said. He will always fulfill what he covenanted to do. Don't ever let God Don't ever take God's equation out of your family. Don't ever let the promise that he spoke be second place in your family. Always make it to be first place. Thank thank you. All the family, yes, ma'am, I'm finished. David will help you. Uh, All the families of the earth would be blessed. And I believe God is sitting in heaven right now and he's looking down and he's looking on our families. And he wants to bless your family. He has covenanted to bless your family. And quite often we become obstacles to the blessing. Selfishness, pride, control, inconsiderateness, can be an absolute enemy to the fulfillment of the promise of God in our family. And I believe the reason why God speaks to families is because God desires a family. And in Ephesians, he says marriage is the picture of Christ and the church. There is something in God's mind concerning families. And we must never take for granted which I often did, my family and my wife and our marriage, I often took it for granted. But as I have lived life, I have learned that I can't do that and expect God to bless my family. God is not out to destroy your family. He is out to build your family. And I have, I have understood that through, through experience and through time that unless I focused on the promise of God for my family, I was not focusing properly. You see, we often look at what we desire, but we fail to focus on what brings it. In other words, it's like this. Jesus came to earth to fulfill the will of the Father. His focus was on the Father's will 
not on his life. Because his life was right because his focus was right. Are you with me? You're all looking to me like, what's he talking about? God is so energized to bless you. Who he is is imparted by the covenant of what he said. I'll say that again. Who he is is imparted by the covenant of which he spoke. When you read your Bible, it is not the written word, it is the spoken word. And it's important to understand that Logos is not a written word, it's the spoken word. What is spoken has divine life in it. And so when he said to Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations, the, 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 the words that he spoke to him contained the promise and the fulfillment. So when the Bible says, father, uh, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church, guess what? Those words contain the ability to fulfill what he said. When, we, when I think of my Heavenly Father, how much he cares for me, I compare myself to him. And very often, I fall very short. But his words make it possible for me to be who I should be. Amen. Pastor David's been preaching on process. Do you know what? Marriage is a process. All of life is a process. There is nothing apart from process in life. Wow, how did I get off on that? I want to read to you a transition of process of how God brought the promises of Abraham into reality in the new covenant. Because we're part of the new covenant. Galatians says, if you're in Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Are you in Christ? You're Abraham's seed and also heirs of the same promise. God is not looking from heaven saying, oh, well, I don't know what they're going to do and I don't, know, I don't know what to expect. Oh, no, he has written what he expects. Not only that, he has released a divine ability to do it. I mean, we can't lose. Unless you snooze. You know, when I come to a four-way stop, uh, sometimes I think he who goes, he who hesitates goes second. Here's, here's how God transitioned. 400 silent years between the old covenant and the new covenant, and all of a sudden, God comes on the scene with an angel and talks to Mary. He is now taking what he promised to Abraham and he's bringing it into the new covenant. And just listen to these words in Luke chapter 1 verse uh, 47. 
My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now this is Mary after the angel visited her. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. It doesn't matter how insignificant you are to God. He will fulfill what he promised. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. She is speaking through the anointing her future by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. You see, the transition from one to another is always an inspiration to change. You cannot progress without change. The word is called repentance. <laughs> repentance is not confession. Repentance is a determination that I'm not going to go the way I have been going. I'm going to go the opposite direction. That's repentance. So here we see God bringing a change to Mary's whole perspective. Because the promises of God and the work of God are never to be in a place where they're never progressive. We either progress in the things of God, but to stand still is to digress. Because God moves on. If you want to move on, Walk with him. Talk with him. Yield to him. Uh, but what, what overwhelms me is this. The scriptures are so clear that it just blows me away. And his, verse 50, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. And I can say this. My honor of God has brought a blessing on future generations of my family. Amen. Not just on my children, but my grandchildren. And now I'm believing for my great-grandchildren. See, we, we must not see ourselves as just failures. You know what? It's good to recognize that you fail. The reason why God allows us to recognize that so that we can actually say, you know what? I'm not staying here. I'm moving on. And my family's going to move with me. Not under legalism, but under love, encouragement, and modeling what God looks like. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them who are of a low degree. Who is she talking about? She's talking about herself. She was a nobody. And God made her a somebody. 
And because God blessed her, she says, man, future generations are going to respect me. She wasn't just talking about the present. She was talking about the future. And I think it's good for us to think like that. What is your future? What, 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 how do you see yourself in the future? Well, I want to see myself how God sees me. He's got the best portrait picture of and for your life. And very often, it's not what we think. I told my wife, I said, you know what? I, I, I don't even want to put together a sermon. I would just like to say what God has to say. I've got two files of studies and sermons. I'm thinking, God, you know, we have a lot to say. But what do you want to say? It's important for me to hear what God wants to say. And often we follow tradition that's opposite to what God says. Often we follow human behavior as to what not God says. And just to illustrate that, <laughs> I got saved in making a deal with God. My girlfriend left me. I said, God, I'll accept you. Bring my girlfriend back. I accepted him, and he didn't give me my girlfriend back. <laughs> it's like God has a way to get us where he wants us to go, even though it doesn't make any sense. God is bigger than my condition, and he's bigger than what I think. And he allows his bigness to be so large that it's got room for me to move from where I am with my attitude of where I am to where he wants me to go. God is big enough to carry you. I remember being depressed for 30 days at a time. It was such a great time. I loved it until I hated it. Now it might last a day. And uh, just to share an illustration of, you know, I, there's no perfect marriage on earth, but there is a perfect marriage in heaven. And uh, I remember one time when I was just frustrated out of my mind, and uh, we had cows. And uh, my family know this story very well. And uh, I just got frustrated, and I said, we're selling the cows. My wife says, you're not selling my white-faced cow, in that tone of voice. And I says, fine. I said, fine. You milk them, you do the chores, you clean the barn, you just do everything then. So I, I walked out of the house. I mean, I was angry that she wouldn't let me sell the cow. I mean, after all, I'm the boss of the house. Really. If I was the boss, then I shouldn't have gotten mad. But anyway, we had this great disagreement. I mean, it was uh, Donnybrook, as they'd say in England. Uh, or Ireland. It means it was a good fight. If, it, if there can be a good fight. 
Anyway, I walked out and I thought to myself, oh well. Usually when we had a disagreement, I'd get in my car and drive away and cool down and come back. Uh, that was the safest thing to do. <laughs> um, because growing up as a child in a world where arguing and fighting was our norm, I had a lot of changes to make. Anyway. <laughs> so I go out to the barn and I grab that shovel and I'm telling you, that manure was flying out the door. <laughs> I didn't have to walk out the door, I just, and I was so mad that going, I didn't care where it landed outside. Meanwhile, my wife thinks and realizes it's time to milk the cow. So she decides to get a bucket of water to come to the barn to milk the cow. And she's on her way down and I'm chucking manure and I don't know why she didn't see the manure flying out the door before she got there. It's all her fault. And just as she walked in the door, I had already released a shovel full. And well, she immediately ran over to me and poured the water over me. <laughs> and then she said to me, don't ever tell anybody about this. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I didn't intend to hit her with the manure. It was her fault. She decided to come milk a cow. And then she gives me instructions after. Is that funny? Well, I didn't think it was back then. Anyway, what's that got to do with this? What I'm trying to say is this. Life is a life of process. Let me say this to you. Despair is the best condition to yield to change. Because without it, you never will change. There's two things that help us change. One, when God speaks to us and we respond. Or we get into a condition where things look hopeless and God says, this, what, this is what I have for you. How do you respond out of your hopelessness to what he has declared to be true? That's a process. I remember times of despair in my life when I didn't know that what was burning in my heart would ever happen. Because I was so dependent on the approval of man that often it hindered my faith in God. You see, as an individual, your first responsibility is your relationship with God. My first responsibility was my relationship with man and their approval 
then I would be successful. That was an absolute lie. Now, it doesn't mean that people can't help us. Don't get me wrong. But when, when who I depended on failed me time after time after time after time, it doesn't create much faith or confidence even in myself. So trying to fulfill the will of God and the promises that God made to Abraham is not a matter of what man says, it's a matter of what God said. Because God came to Mary and enabled her to fulfill his will in order to proceed with the progress of the promises made to Abraham and the covenant he made to Abraham. Mary was not outside of, the new covenant is not outside of the promises to Abraham. Does that make any sense to you? If not, it will. It says, as he spoke to our fathers Abraham and to his seed forever. Are you his seed? Then what he has said to Abraham, he is saying to you. Abraham failed a few times. He lied. Figured he could bring forth a son with with a handmaiden. He tried. But what he tried didn't work. And sometimes what we try that don't work, we see ourselves as failures. But in God's mind says, no, I have a way that will work. I have an enablement that will make it happen. I have the ability to cause you to succeed beyond your your imagination and your thoughts. Because what is from God is not always possible with just man. But what is with what God said is always possible with man because God said so. I'm just, I'm just so amazed at sometimes how I walk with God. This last week, couple days, I was really down. For what? I don't know, it was just stupid. But one of the things that concluded was this, unless I hear from God, I will just stay here. Unless I really believe God, I can just stay where I am. Unless I'm willing to follow him, I'll just stay where I am. That's the conclusion I came to. And sometimes in our lowest ebb, God wants us to think about where we are as opposed to what he said. So that we can bring his reality into our situation. When I think of the blessing of God... Prophetically speaking, let me finish with this first. I've, I've got a couple of verses here that I have to, I have to, I have to make. Uh, 
For he hath regarded the low state of the handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations. He talks about generations, generations, generations. And so that's with Mary. Then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon Zechariah, and he's prophesying in the same chapter, verse 67, and his Father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who hath visited and redeemed his people. Wow, it hadn't even happened yet. And he is, the Holy Spirit is prophetically speaking what is going to happen. Powerful. God is not subject to failure or corruption. He has a vision that is going to be fulfilled even though we don't understand it and can't make it happen, but he can. Amen. Amen. And hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David and as he spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets which have been since the world began that we should be saved from our enemies. While she is speaking into the future, he is speaking into the future of our life. He's speaking to a future of a nation that wanted to kill him. He is speaking to a future of a world that he created that didn't know him. He was speaking to a future to all those who sat in darkness and didn't recognize the light. He was prophesying the future of every generation. Hallelujah. God is not limited in what he sees because he's not limited in what he can do. Stop yelling, Nelson, okay? I just get so excited about this stuff. To perform the mercy's promise to our fathers. Wow. Well, who was that? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The reason why he chose three, because in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every truth is established to be concrete and sure. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham. Do you see how the Holy Spirit is bringing the Abrahamic covenant and the promises God made to him into the new covenant? Because Abraham is the father of our faith. He covenanted with Abraham that your family would be blessed. He covenanted that your family would be blessed. So tell me something. What are you doing in your marriage and in your family that your family would be blessed? You see, Abraham believed God. Here's, here's how the Amplified Bible puts it. I'm going to turn to my other instrument now.
This is in Galatians. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, And these shall all the nations be blessed. Not only all the families, all the nations. God is speaking to you this morning about his blessing on you and your family. He wants you to see his family like he sees it. He sees your family blessed. And as parents, and as, and as a man, and as my, and my wife, uh, we didn't always know this. But what we noticed was this. As we walked with God, our children learned things about God. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Wow. What kind of blessing is it? Well, the, all the families of the earth would be blessed. All the nations are blessed. That's huge blessing. It's huge. It, it's absolutely impossible for us to even fulfill it. This is spoken concerning you and me. You are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, In thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. I, I just say, wow. I don't know what else to say. Listen to this. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it. Luke, uh, John chapter 8, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. Isn't that awesome? Abraham saw our day? It's amazing. Oh, there's... Wow. Somebody's very efficient. I think what the Lord wants to say to us today is this. Like I called Abraham, I'm calling you.
I called them out of the air of the Chaldees to go where I told them there was a promise. And it says Abraham didn't even know where he was going, but he left anyway. You know what? It's good to obey even though you don't have all the details. Because the first obedience will lead you to the details. God never gives us a promise without a fulfillment. And as I, in my book on the cross, I did a bit of a study on the protos and the eschatos, meaning there is no there isn't a beginning without an end. Jesus, I am the, Jesus said, I am the first and I am the last. He's the protos and the eschatos. So the vision for the cross started in eternity past. It started with him. And we see eternity actually happen, happening in time and in reality. So what happened was, the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. Guess what? Jesus left heaven, became a man, to die on the cross for you. It was an eternal plan that was made before he created anything. And what's eternal never fails, never ends, and is never without effect. Just think of that. His sacrifice for you will never stop being your sacrifice. Your liberty and freedom from sin will never stop being in effect. Never. Not only that, it can't fail. We fail. Abraham failed. But it didn't stop the promise of God because he believed. And here's how faith worked in Abraham, and I want to read this in closing. Hebrews 11, verse 8. Abraham was urged on by his faith. In other words, what God said to him was his motivation. And it was so urgent that he had to move forward with it. And sometimes when we have such an urgent movement in our hearts, I've done this. I tried to bring it up past myself. It didn't work too good. Trying to be a pastor and then end up nobody wouldn't want to talk to you. Well, obviously something was wrong and it wasn't the people. But there's an, faith has an urgency. Because faith becomes our motivation. Faith becomes our expectation. Faith becomes what God said to be true, to be our reality. Does that make sense to you? What God said to be true is to become our reality, not just our religious belief system, but reality. So to expect God to bless your family because he said so, he has taken an oath of the covenant to make that happen. And it's incumbent upon us, it's urgent upon us in our faith to say, God, this is what you said about me and my family. This is what you said. And that's what I desire.
Faith has an urgency about it that gives you an inner motivation that otherwise you would not have. And sometimes, and I've learned this from the past, sometimes when I'm moving out of my own motivation to make something happen the way I think it should happen, it really doesn't work out. But what really works out is this. If I follow Jesus, he said, I'll make you. I'll make it happen. I'll, I'll bring you into being to what you should be as a husband, as a wife, as a family, as a servant, as a businessman, whatever. I will make you. That's success. And sometimes when I yielded to Jesus, it was totally opposite to what I thought should happen. So rather than being somebody who is authoritative or dominating, I had to become a servant. I had to change my attitude. I had to change the way I approach things because Jesus is not law. He is grace. And so when I follow him, I become like him. And the other day I was in Timmy's and there was these troublemakers in there. And you know what? After a while I got tired of watching these troublemakers curse at the staff. And the old man kicked in. And I thought to myself, you know what? None of the men around here are doing anything to protect these women. So I just, I said, here's my phone. You want to phone the police? Here you go. And it's like, it's like who we used to be can still come forward if we're not careful. And I was ready to go over and punch that guy straight in the nose. And I said to them, you know what? When I was younger, we had a way of dealing with these kind of people. We did. But that's who I used to be. But every once in a while, who I used to be, but that doesn't happen to you, right? Oh, hallelujah. The reason why I say that is this. Sometimes we live who we used to be because we don't like what's happening. <laughs> Wherever you came from, it's called the old man, the flesh. Whoever you were before, you got saved and you became a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Sometimes who I used to be really would like to take action. Sometimes who I used to be attitude would like to really step into the present. And so what happens with that in my life is I recognize it and I say, well, no, here's my phone. You on a phone? And, and you know what, I, I went over to this one lady, they didn't kick her out because she wasn't causing her, but she was part of the same group. And I says, how are you today? She says, oh, okay. I says, how are you doing? She's got her phone out, and the glass is all cracked on it, and you can see that, you know, there's a drug problem. And she was, be she was behaving very well, and 
I says, well, what kind of phone is that? Well, she, well, she says, it's, it's kind of, well, this kind of phone. And I really don't like it, she says. And I had a good conversation with her. But you know what? Sometimes in crisis, people are willing to talk. Particularly if you walk over and are friendly. But if I would have went over with who I used to be, probably wouldn't have went too well. And I just, you know, every day is a day of learning. Every day is a day of process. Every day sometimes is a day of challenge of how am I going to respond. Well, so sometimes we get into situations where, you know what, some things are just intolerable. But by the grace of God, we can respond properly. And so I talked to the staff, expressed her appreciation, and she says, this one lady said to me, well, this, that one guy, she says, she, he came out one day to her car, knocked on her window and says, I'm going to kill you. That's the kind of guys. You see, we live in a fallen world. But God's vision for those people is the blessing of Abraham. He wants the blessing of Abraham. Jesus gave birth to the Messiah to bring freedom from bondage and fear and self-centeredness and self-promotion to just being a servant and loving God. What time is it? Wow, I'm done. <laughs> Gee. So Abraham was urged by faith, and Abraham was prompted by faith. When you're prompted by faith, it is never the prompting of the flesh. When you're prompted by faith, it is never prompting of the flesh. The reason why is because faith doesn't function in the fruit of the flesh. Faith doesn't function in the fruit and power of who I used to be. Faith functions in who God said I am. You and I live in a life right now, right now, right now, today, just right here and right now, God is looking down on us from heaven and he sees us right where we are. He knows all of our circumstances. He knows all of our weaknesses. He knows all of our failures. He knows all of the things that we could never perform without him. He knows all that. But he says, this is what I have for you. And not only that, he is able to make it happen for you but he needs your cooperation. I was talking to my friend's husband yesterday at Starbucks. It's a surprise, not Timmy's, right? And he was sharing with me how the Lord has been speaking to him about what needs to change in Christianity. And so we saw things a little bit different, but I said, you know what, we're on the same path. Things have to change. We can't just keep living the way we live in our failure 
and never ever proceed to our victory. Amen? If, if I fail, there's a victory ahead. If I have victory, that means I've overcome a failure. Then I'm not a failure anymore. I'm a conqueror. So, prompted by faith, <laughs> to be honest with you, in Timothy's, the other day, I wasn't prompted by faith. I was prompted by, I know how to fight. I know how to kick. I've taken guys down before. Guys have tried to take me down before. They weren't able to. You know what? I could do this. <laughs> Stupid thinking, right, for a Christian. That is not the prompt of faith. <laughs> That's the prompt of stupidity. Abraham was prompted by faith. To what? He dwelt as a temporary resident in a land that was designed, designated in the promise of God, though he was not, though he was like a stranger in a strange country, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs with him of the same promise. For he was waiting with expect, uh, expectantly and confidently looking for the city which, is, which has fixed and firm foundation, whose architect and builder is God. So what's God's vision of you? You're the holy city. You're the holy nation. And he's building his nation. He's building his church. He's building his city. And it's going to look exactly like he wants it to look. And that's you and I. Wow. That was the last verse of my note. I told Pastor, Daniel had to print this off for me because my printer, my surface was not connected to the printer. And I said, I said, Pastor Daniel, I says, my sermon is 99.9% inspired because it's all scripture. <laughs> and so what blew me away as I was sitting here this morning because I really didn't know what I was going to say. When I began to read Mary's response and Zechariah's response and how they prophesied the future that God was causing them to see. And I'm thinking, Lord, you prophesied something for me to expect. You prophesied things into existence that are actually out there that you want us to see and become part of our life. Amen? It's awesome. It's awesome. If there's anything you have failed in in life, don't let it control you. Make the changes you have to make and move forward. Because there is no other life that will satisfy. If you want to live in the misery of your failure, then that's exactly what you're going to have. But if you want to move out of the misery of your failure, change your mind, change your actions, 
change your language, and change what you see. Start seeing what God sees. Start saying what God says. Start believing what he said for your life. Start believing that for your family. Start believing what he said. Not only did he say it, he took a covenant to fulfill it. And when we come into agreement with the word of God, what we do is we come into agreement with what he has covenanted to do. So what I, what I do by that, by that action is I move out of my inability and I move into his ability. When I begin to see what he sees and say what he says, what I'm doing is I'm moving out of my inability into his ability. And in there is success, and in there is peace, and in there is life. But it's also in there is the death of who I used to be. Amen? All right. asking the Father if he has anything more to say. Whenever you don't know what to say and you don't know what to do, yield. Yield. Yield to him. Thank you, Father, for your goodness towards us. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for the vision that you have for our lives. Thank you for the vision you have for our children and our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren and the generations to follow. Father, just thank you. I just thank you. We are so grateful to you, Father, for your vision that is so impeccable, that is so real, that is so powerful and is such a blessing.